Welcome to another episode of Books, Kids, and Creations with Tracy Bloom. And we feature people who uplift and inspire children with their work. And today I have the honor and privilege of interviewing Tamara Robertson. And she is, if you've never seen her, um, she is, I guess you could say, an engineer by day, science superhero of the stars by night. I mean, she is awesome and she's appeared on many shows mythbusters mythbusters jr side jinx and um i'm very excited to have her here today i'm excited to be here yay thanks yay. for having me you're welcome well so you have um quite the extensive background in engineering you have a is it biomolecular engineering and chemical engineering background yep but you've always kind of loved tinkering like can you Tell us how you got into science, how you how you did. It's very interesting. I joke with people that I got very lost on the way to graduation uh, in college because I actually didn't know about engineering as a career field. I grew up tinkering in the shop with my dad. I was rebuilding engines and houses before I was knee high to a duck. He literally would pick me up and put me on the engine. And then I would just sit there and like be his tool girl and reach into all the spots he couldn't reach. And it was something that I always just had as part of my life. Um, and then when I went to college, I was actually a sophomore in college as a history major with multiple minors before I got introduced to engineering as a potential career path. And so I actually remember the teacher that sat me down and she's like, you know, you have really great scores in math and science. Have you ever thought about engineering? And I kind of laughed and I said, girls don't do that mm. because I never met a real engineer in real life. And the only engineer that I knew of on television was Scotty, the engineer from Star Trek. So <laughs> while I loved tinkering as a hobby, I had no idea it could be something that would make me money until halfway through college. And I'm so happy that I found it. I'm so happy she sat me down and talked to me because I just absolutely love getting to do something I'm passionate about every day as part of my job. For sure. And you also, you do a lot of different things. Um, so you've kind of evolved that into a lot of television features. So you've been on Mythbusters, Mythbusters Jr., now Sijinx, um, and you also have your own podcast. So you wear a lot of hats. Um, how did that evolve for you? Was it like a natural transition or from, you know, engineering and following that path to being on TV? It's really funny. Um, I am what I call an avid collector of skills. And I also used to say I got bored very easily, but I had a manager say that I should instead propose that as I enjoy a challenge and learning, but really I just get bored easily. <laughs> so I've always had a lot of side hobbies. So when I was going through engineering school, once I had left like my history major, creative writing minor and all of that, I lost my creative portion of mm -hmm. it because while there's a lot of creativity and product design once you're in your field, you don't do a lot of that in school. A lot of it is definitely like mass transfer, heat transfer, all of these very analytical problem kind of settings. And so I actually started doing commercial print modeling and acting when I was in college is just like a way to get my creativeness out, you know, as a side hobby. And so I did that in the Southeast for a really long time. Anyone that's familiar with the film industry in the Southeast knows that it's really just commercials, commercial print, 
there's starting to be more and more of actual TV and movies here. Marvel shoots in Georgia, for instance, um, as they've grown. But when I was there, it was very much just like indie films and just really fun, creative projects. And so my career as an engineer kept advancing. And this was just something that I would take vacation days to do or I would do on weekends or in the evenings. And it wasn't until I moved out to Los Angeles that it became something that was able to be kind of a full-time career if I wanted it to be. Um, when I was out here, though, I was actually launching a global division for a Houston-based chemical company. And so my engineering job kept me very busy and very much on the road. Um, but shortly into you know that stint, I got, you know, once I got to the top and I was reporting to the CEO and I was like, okay, now it's time. Now I can turn around and I can lift all these other women. Uh, I noticed that there weren't any other women. It was like three mm -hmm. tiers of management below me before there was. And so in 2015, I made the decision to, to come out of full-time engineering, put that as a consulting job on the side and go into full-time outreach. And it was during this time that the Mythbusters franchise found me and invited me to come and compete on Mythbusters The Search, which anyone that watches the science or um, Discovery channels knows I was the two MVP winner, the only female finalist. And from there have gotten the excitement of being able to stay with the Mythbusters franchise for the last four years, including most recently Mythbusters Junior. Um, and so it kind of just was this side hobby that evolved into something that makes it so I can still make money on the side. I can have that creative outlet. I have my engineering consulting firm. And then on top of it, I now get to spend the majority of my time in outreach and with kids. Yes. And I love how you make science fun. Like everything about what you do. I like I've seen some of the videos you've done and the experiments you've done. And I'm like, she really makes science fun. And I think that's so important for kids. So I also see behind you, there are some costumes. And I know that you've you've done cosplay. Um, you're very involved in the comic world. You have your own comic book with um, Tracy Fanara, and it's the Seekers of Science comic book. You've been, you've appeared in Marvel's comics. I mean, lots of fun stuff there. So talk a little bit about how you've used um, cosplay as a creativity outlet and um, kind of like creativity and experimenting with that. It's really interesting. So I did not know that Comic-Con was something that normal people could go to. And I found Comic-Con for the first time because of a young fan named Claire. Uh, when Mythbusters The Search had come out, she like wrote and was like, are you going to come to Comic-Con? You should come to Comic-Con. And I was like, I didn't know I could. Okay, Wait. how do I do that? And so um, she took me to my first con we went to WonderCon together so it's like comic-con uh light and i showed up because i thought everyone dresses up for comic-con i showed up in full body paint as yes. starfire and i of course showed up on sunday because it was the only only day that you could get last minute tickets for and on Sunday is actually the day that most people don't dress up. Even the avid cosplayers take Sunday off to be able to just enjoy the con and walk through and not worry about wings being in the way. Awesome. And so I just remember standing there painted head to toe in orange and my very first self-built cosplay. And I'm just like writing and I'm like, dude, please tell me someone else is dressed up. Please tell me anyone else is dressed it's awesome. So um, I've been told that I decided to go big or go home on my mm -hmm. first con. 
but it's been something that's been really amazing because so as an engineer, as a designer, wardrobe design and cosplay design bring all of that together, but in a creative medium that I can wear. And as a superhero scientist, it enables me to really connect with the kids. And so the reason why I love using superheroes as a way to launch STEM is because superheroes are inclusive, they're diverse. You can reach anyone with a comic. They have free comic book days. They have 99 cent comics. They have the more expensive if you want, but really they're approachable. They show that one person can make a difference. And my favorite part of it is that if you point out Iron Man or Batman or Batgirl, you can show to a kid that all it takes is a background in STEM to become an actual hero. And so, as you said, we have our outreach comic, Seekers of Science. And so we utilize the comic to inspire kids by tackling real world issues with real world scientists and every single one. Of course, our nanoparticles definitely karate chop because it's a <laughs> um, but we try to bring in those real living texts so that we can not only showcase what is available right now, but hopefully inspire some future innovation, uh, which is what comics and sci-fi have always done for us. They've inspired future development by engineers. I mean, that's why we have the drone. It's why we have the, you know, the ankle tracker bracelets, why we have our smartwatches. It all started in comics. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that um, you kind of have gone outside of your comfort zone in almost everything that you do. Like you really have like gone big and you've made, um, you know, I watched a different sampling you did. You made a crossbow. Um, there was something else you did where you have on like this flame retardant suit and you're, you explode a gas balloon and there's flames everywhere. I mean, you really push the limits and push the boundaries as far as like what's, what's possible and, and just finding out new things, which is Absolutely. pretty cool. And it's, it's one of those things that I find that kids get more excited about science if you can bring it to where they are. So both of those examples, the crossbow and the methane balloon explosion were things that we did on Mythbusters Junior, which for me, a kid's maker show was always my dream. And yeah. so being on that show with them and getting to test myths and really cool ways and designing the rigs that they then were testing with was so fun. Um, with the crossbow as well as the balloon, though, safety was always paramount. And so making sure that whatever I designed and built, they could wield on the show in a safe manner and be able to replicate data over and over again with. So it's very neat. I actually, uh, part of my superhero science is I utilize dragon powder and I let kids throw fireballs. And so we just ran our first STEM camp two weeks ago and all the kids got to throw fireballs. And the nice thing about the powder is when you do the dust explosion with it, it stays in one place. So if a kid gets scared and backs away, it's safe. But cool. I will use the example of that methane balloon to explain to them, you have to stand your ground when you're using your STEM powers, which as young women is a good thing for them to learn too, to stand behind the STEM powers they're putting out into the world. But with a, with a methane gas, for instance, if they were to pull back like that, it actually follows you. So it's an airdraft oh. principle as well to teach them about the safety and uh, you know the risks that go along with being a STEM superhero. Right, and so you do a lot of camps so like people can book you for summer camps and people can you know reach out and be like, hey, I want you to do some you know superhero science camp with my kids and, and you've yeah. kind of booked that out, they that's can, awesome. 
They can do they can do camps. Um, I go all over the U.S. doing Comic Cons and now globally I do maker events as well. And I can come and bring those STEM superpowers anywhere the kiddos are uh, and connect them to get them excited. And the, the demos are always really fun, the demo shows that I do. Um, and I always try to make sure that the fans and the audience are brought in versus that they're just seeing me do it. It's way more yeah. fun when they get to get their hands dirty too. Cool. And speaking of, I want to play just a clip from Sidejinx, I believe, is what this is, where you're, can you explain before I play it, Sidejinx as a television show and the premise of it and what you're doing in this example? Yeah, so Sidejinx was a really fun show that I did with Discovery where um, Johnny Galecki, myself, and Jason Latimer came in and utilized science to blow people's minds. Now, it is a science prank show, so everything is hidden in plain sight. Um, and so in this clip, you're going to actually see a gentleman that's come in to help us make a flavor profile for a new beer. We have, a, we have an expensive beer that we're trying to replicate. And so he thinks that he's been utilizing all these flavorants to design it. And I've convinced him that he's made the perfect profile. So we're going to go ahead and put it in the brewery vat and make our first part of this Trappist beer. And so when I pour it in, you'll see what happens. A little bit of science gets put into the mix and it's a thing that we call elephant toothpaste. So anyone that knows what that is has a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> okay, I'm going to play it. Let's check this out. Sean's gonna kill me. Did you do that? I'm sorry. That was the last one. I ain't no scientist, but I ain't that stupid neither. Look like a roof here float. Sidechains. I think that's hilarious. Like, I think every single day going to work would be so much fun because you're kind of like, okay, I get to do something awesome. I'm gonna prank somebody, which who doesn't like that? And you get to, you know, do what you love, which is amazing. It was really fun for that one, especially because, um, so I was our scientist, but Jason Latimer is a, a magician, a world ranked, renowned, absolutely amazing magician. And so he actually taught me sleight of hand Ooh. because I had to take the vial that this gentleman gave me and swap it out for the chemistry that would actually make the reaction happen. And so I had to do it right in front of him without him seeing. So it was really neat because I got to learn some magic tricks along the way. He got to learn some science along the way. And we got to meet some amazing people. That was actually my favorite guest that we had to prank. Like he was a barrel of laughs the entire time. Like he could have been an entire episode on him on his own. <laughs> That's awesome. And then so I guess between all of the shows that you've done, like there's definitely a science theme that goes throughout and um, exploring different realms and different projects. What are some of your most favorite projects that you've done? And what are some of the most, I guess, favorite experiments you've done? It's really interesting because there's so many builds, right? And as an engineer, one of the things that got me into engineering was looking at things like napalm and the A-bomb and seeing how defensively we've designed these different chemistries to be utilized and why we don't use them anymore for peacekeeping and things. Um, so one of my favorite builds, though, would be the first time they put C4 in my hand, which C4, for most people that have not ever seen it or touched it, 
literally sparkles. Like it, it we I was handed a baseball that was sparkly, and it, I was like, "This looks like Edward from Twilight." And of course, all the guys are on the team are like, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is." And I'm like, "Yes, you do. Yes, you know, it looks, do. it looks just like it. It looks just like Edward." Um, and so we did a what we named the dandelion of doom and it basically i have a photo i think you have it of me sitting in it and it had 36 shotgun shells on it and our task was to paint an entire room with explosives and so we looked at different nozzle designs looking at like um the old school shotguns that would flare out uh versus like actual like pistol designs or um barrels that would actually curve in as well to see how that affected the velocity of the paint and the spatter of where it would go and then we of course looked at blast radiuses to figure out distancing and then we welded this literal one ton piece of steel that took 36 feet of MIG welds to complete. At one point, all three of us were on it welding. And then we dropped a pound of C4 into it and we blew apart the building. Oh so we were disqualified. Andrew. <laughs> but we did, I mean, all of the pieces that were on the ground were definitely painted. So I kind of feel like we won, but right. on a technicality, we lost, so. yeah. It's like, but I mean, awesome. it was technically a success. You know, you did accomplish the goal, which is to paint the room. We did. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's probably definitely my favorite build. Um, and then my favorite experiment, it's interesting because I got to do a lot more um, real chemistry-based experimentation on Sijinx than I did anywhere else. And so I think one of my favorite ones from that, obviously the, the elephant toothpaste that you just saw is really fun. Um, but we actually did an iodine clock on that one where we had someone, I played the cutthroat female executive, which that trope of a mean, nasty female boss was alive and well that day. Um, <laughs> and I had this eel, I had this eel that the temp that came in had to feed. And again, sleight of hand, uh, Jason put in the reactant that we needed to, to set off this iodine clock and it turned the tank entirely red. And so we just had fun with them trying to figure out how to clear it, what to do and all of these things. And it was just a really neat kind of chemical experiment to see work and not work. We also learned that day because a lot of a lot of science for television is figuring out how to actually make sure it comes across. And we've actually found out that iodine clocks are not visually as clear when you have a far away camera. So we actually had to go back and do some shots where we darken the water and stuff because it just didn't look as bad to the audience watching as it did to the young people who were being pranked in the moment. So to the audience, they're like, it's not even a big deal. And you're like, no, 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 this you cannot see through the water. Right, right. So, you know, movie magic had to fix that yeah. one a little bit, but. Yeah, well, and I think it's also important that like, you have to be really precise with what you're doing in a lot of these cases because, you know, that's so important where one wrong thing with, say, C4 or one wrong thing with any of these chemicals that you really work with um, can have some issues. So I, I like that you're very, um, you're very confident, but you're also very calculated with everything that you put together and do. And I think that's a good lesson for kids, too, is to, you know, put in the work and get things right. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that's so important, especially with 
the sadly the internet gives away too many recipes that it shouldn't because we always have safety teams with us we always have bomb squads with us we always run extremely small scale and scale up testing before we ever do the big stuff we understand these technologies and these sciences inside and out but sadly there is access to videos that will show you how to do these things and and documents that will tell you how to do them without actually preparing you for the safety of it and so I tell kids all the time, it's so important to have that background, to have that knowledge, because you could go into a shop and think, I'm just going to watch someone do this and I'm going to then go and repeat it. But if you're doing that with a welder, you're going to go blind. Right. You know, so you have to understand that background safety portion of the actual technology of the skill that you're trying to implement before you ever start using it because it is a the stem world can be very dangerous if you don't know what you're getting into beforehand and if you're not learning from an expert or at least working beside an expert while you're doing it yeah for sure and i like that also some a lot of the common themes with your work is empowering women and making sure that there's female voices in the stem world and really seeing women step forward in this field. And um, you recently launched a new, I know you have a new podcast and you also just launched a new show. And I know that you're, you're kind of showing that STEM can be entertaining in all kinds of different fields. And you're really showing that a lot of people can, um, I guess creativity can come in different forms. And you're really showcasing all these different people show, you know, building and doing what they love. So um, talk a little bit about your show first. Yeah. So my show is really fun. So it just came out. It's called Maker Science and you can find it on the Midnight Science Club's YouTube channel. Um, it was a collaboration uh, of a show that I brought to them because I was like, hey, I love making and I love engineering but there's a disconnect. I have so many parents come to me at maker events that are like, I can't get my kid out of the garage and into their science. Like, what do I do? How do I make sure they go to college? And they never like my answer because most of the time I then turn to the kid and I go, well, what are you doing? What are you working on in the shop? And they're like, oh, I love machining or, oh, I love welding. And I go, keep doing that. Get certified, gain the skills, find an artisanal expert to apprentice under because all of the aerospace companies need welders right now. They need machinists and you will make more money doing that, that you're and what something you're passionate about than you will toiling away in a classroom for a degree that you don't really want. And right. so it's one of those things that parents tend to think STEM is something you only do with your brains. And that's where kids start to lose their interest. But if you can connect it back to something they can do with their hands, you start to get them excited about it. And so that's what maker science is all about. It's showcasing the STEM portion of making. Because at the end of the day, any welder that's on a dock making ships in a shipyard knows more about metallurgy than I ever learned in a material science class. And for anyone to say that they're less intelligent because they didn't sit through a class, it blows my mind because I will I will literally never be able to learn half the stuff that they forget. And so Maker Science just delves into each of those things. Our first episode is on 3D resin printing and we actually, we make Wanda's 
uh, crown from, uh, from WandaVision, which was super excited. I pair up with one of my favorite people, Daryl Maloney or the Broken Nerd. His 3D printing props making is just absolutely phenomenal. It blows my mind every time. And so it was our ability to come together and, and make that happen with a partnership with Matter Hackers, utilizing their studios, their printers, and their experts that really made that episode come together. So I'm excited. Episode two is going to be a little bit a little bit more about mechanics and material properties as we look at some grappling hooks in pop culture. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't want to give too much away about that one yet. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you also have a podcast called Tinkering Bells. And again, with female empowerment, love it. And you feature all kinds of women who tinker and who build and do great things with their hands. And, you know, I was thinking about like the whole concept of um, STEM being something that you have to learn in the classroom. And honestly, like things that have kept me away from that for a long time was, well, I'm, I'm bad at math. I'm also bad at, you know, that type of thing. And it was just kind of scary. But then when you look at it from it being a hands-on thing, where if you follow the directions, if you try to do the experiment this way and you just, you know, look at it that way, it's not scary. It's not, I mean, it can be, but it's not something that is, intimidating to where you don't do it at all. So yeah, that's I will say math is something that not everyone is good. Every engineer out there is not good at math. And one of the things that you will learn in STEM is that you are only as strong as the people around you. And so you find that friend that's amazing at math and you just sit there and you, you're in the trenches doing all the differential equations and all of that together. And it makes it bearable and you get through the class and you get your degree and then you get to use computer software that does all that crazy math for you from there on out. So it's really, again, just learning that base and then tr figuring out that that networking and that connecting with other experts is what helps you succeed, I think is the more important part of, you know, like the math and the, you know, the parts of the sciences that you may not be as strong at. So. Right. And I think that can kind of um, move into every type of field too, where like if you're trying something new, say as a writer and say you've never written in a certain genre or a certain category, you surround yourself by the people who have, and you learn from them and you, you know, take classes or you read books and you grow. And I think it's really important for people not to get like stuck in their their fear bubbles and kind of venture out and find the experts and take some chances. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that, you know, we always said on Mythbusters is failure is always an option. Um, and the reality of it is that any form of success is an iterative failure process. You have to try, fail, repeat. As long as you keep learning, it's never actually failing. And there's no way to make it in STEM if you're not willing to push those boundaries, push those limits, push out of that comfort zone and fall flat on your face over and over again and get back up. And the whole efficiency that you will learn for your failing will make it so that you're failing so quickly that you're not even noticing it anymore. And you're just starting to grow and evolve and iterate and make really cool new things. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the joy of it is that creativity in the end is, yeah. is what keeps you going. Yes. And um, with your podcast, The Tinkering Bells, um, talk about that a little bit, because I think that's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> Yeah, so Tinkering Bells, Bell like the Southerner, not like the little instrument. 
um, is a maker podcast, uh, but we emphasize the Banff female builders behind each build. And so one of the things that happens in the maker scene, especially um, if you follow a lot of makers on Instagram, is you see a lot of their builds and you see their brilliance in their art, but you don't always get to know them. You know, yeah. you get to know their voice, but you don't get to deep dive like what makes them tick? What are the things that they, you know, that they love? How have they failed in life? How have they evolved in life? And so we go behind the build and meet the builder. And what's really neat is I'm creating a space where women can be not just the maker, but also the women that they are. Um, and so, you know, we have conversations about, you know, what it means when you're in the third trimester and you can't get on a ladder anymore. How does that look? And how do you make sure that you can learn a skill from someone without them thinking that because you like the same skill as them, you also like them? And how do you navigate around, you know, utilizing rotary tools when you might have a little bit more junk in the trunk than the standard builder would? Um, and it becomes something where we're able to just have these really honest conversations. You know, we talk about, do you, when you're going to post a maker uh, photo and you're going to go live, do you rush and go put makeup on because you've been sweating like a hoss in the shop, but you don't want your viewers to know, you know, right. and they're able to actually talk about it without feeling like, is this going to diminish the respect I have? from others in the field, which is always a concern as, as a woman in STEM, as a woman in a shop, you always have to worry that you're already having to prove yourself and your skills, but any little thing that you try to, you know, encapsulate could risk, you know, losing that expert expertise viewpoint that others have of you. So we yeah. keep them as the eloquent, beautiful experts that they are, but we also celebrate the femininity that they bring to it. Um, and one of the things that we're gonna be also including in it is, is male advocates. So groups that uplift females like the Jesse Combs Foundation, we're gonna sit down and talk to them about what it means to be amplifying the voices of women in a shop, um, as well as talking to, to men that are, are coming out and they're being allies in the shop for women who may not otherwise feel physically safe, not because of the tools, but because of the other men in the maker spaces that they're around and, and what it means to be an ally and step up when you see things happening that shouldn't be happening just because of that gender disparity. So there's going to be a lot of expansion. We're, we're launching episode five soon. We just did episode four with Carrie Byron and we're just, you know, running and sprinting ahead with all these beautiful makers. And where is your podcast? Is it on YouTube? Is it a video cast? Oh, yeah. So our, sorry, I'm so bad. I'm still getting new about plugging this. So the podcast is everywhere that podcasts are. Um, it's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on all the platforms. Um, it is actually predominantly an audio-based podcast, but there are video elements. So I do have a playlist on my YouTube channel where you can go um, because it always ends up happening that someone's like, oh, look at this thing that I built. And, you know, while we don't want the entire thing to be visual, uh, we do want people to see these creations and this really amazing um, part of it. So there are pictures as well. If you go to the chapter summaries, you can see photos, you can see videos, you can see everything that you need to see to help you embrace the full beauty of, of the makers and the builds we're talking to and about. 
Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> and um, I mean, it feels like you have so much going on, which is always really exciting. I mean, um, I'm kind of the same way where like, if I don't have four things going on, I'm like, okay, what, what can I find? Like, what can I get into now? <laughs> and um, yeah, so it seems like you probably have a lot of things in the air. And uh, what are some of the new things on the horizon for you besides, I mean, obviously, it's amazing with the podcast and the show and all the other things that you're doing. Yeah, so we're, we're full steam ahead going for episode two of Maker Science. I'm full steam ahead going for episode five of Tinkering Bells. Um, the first 15 episodes are in the can, so I'm editing like crazy. Uh, we just took Seekers of Science Bilingual. Uh, we have donated over 150,000 copies. Wow. Uh, and we are not planning on stopping, so we just did our first collaborative camp with Mission Tampa Bay, where we awesome. brought in the comic and we did some of the experiments with the kids and we let those help be thematically what it is. So we're gonna continue working with them to develop more camps. Uh, and we're just kind of going, you know, I'm gonna be working with the um, US Science Festival as well as Society of Women Engineers coming up soon for some really big events. And it's just kind of everywhere. Oh, I'm going to be at Dragon Con and I and Maker's <laughs> Camp as well. So I'll be I'll be bringing science and STEM everywhere that I go. <laughs> so I'm well, so okay, happy so that the opening. What is Dragon Con? <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I feel like I should know about this. <laughs> it's actually my, it'll be my first year at Dragon Con. So Dragon Con is another Comic-Con convention that happens in Atlanta. Okay. Um, unlike most of the big conventions, instead of being in just one central place, it's actually kind of spread out across Atlanta, which is really fun. Um, but I will be going representing Midnight Science Club and Maker Science, as well as doing my normal superhero science that I do at the cons. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to check it out because I have heard most of the people that are on panels with me at New York Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con say that this is the fun con. This is the one that, you know, they normally don't work. They just have fun at. So I'm going to try to work it. But, you know, maybe next year I'll just go for fun, too. <laughs> are you making a costume? That's such a great question. I want to. I honestly want to finish my Wanda cosplay because I now have this beautiful crown. I feel like I need to finish it. Um, but it'll just depend on the amount of time that I have because con crunch is always the worst thing to get into. And I'm, I am the worst about it. Like my, my unstoppable wasp costume. I literally was finishing this sleeve in the car going to San Diego, like, which is never where you want to be. Um, but I have so many on my list. Like I want to do a Catra cosplay. I, I, I definitely want to finish and do a Scarlet Witch cosplay. I want to mm. do a cousin it cosplay, like nobody's business. Cause it would be very similar to the way that they would make Chewbacca as mm -hmm. far as like netting and pulling, but I don't think Atlanta is the one to do it in because it's so humid and hot. Yes. So I think a lot of the cosplays that I've been considering are very much cold weather because I was thinking New York Comic Con would be my next one. So I have to evaluate what I can get done that won't be super hot and high humidity. Um, and actually, I'm kind of thinking of She-Hulk. Going back to the elephant toothpaste because I always do elephant toothpaste when I'm talking about She-Hulk with kids. She wears like a smaller outfit, kind of like Starfire does. So I feel like it wouldn't be as hot, but I kind of want to do a mashup where yeah. I'm like half She-Hulk and half her human form as a lawyer. So yeah. I have so many things. There's, there's too much going on up here and not enough going on up down here. Like easy to get. <laughs> 
in action. <laughs> well, and I also feel like with your with your um, ability to make fireballs, Dragon Con. I mean, you could. Who knows? Who knows? Right. Yeah. I mean. We did, I did the science of, of Game of Thrones and we talked about fire and how it would actually, you know, like the, the ice dragons were more like plasma dragons because they had the blue flame, you know, so we, we got into all of that, but I would love to be throwing some fireballs. The big thing is whether or not they let you, they get really mad when you get close to the con and have right. people just start throwing fire, so. Yeah, they like check your purse, no fireballs, ma'am, no. Yeah, I mean, my Carrie Kelly, they they wanted to confiscate my slingshot because they oh. asked if I had any ammo and I very snarkily replied, well, isn't everything ammo when you have a slingshot? So you have to be careful, you know, they're very protective for obvious reasons with so many people with fake weaponry wanting to protect people, but right. Right. But yeah. Slingshots well, cool. are always loaded. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a trebuchet in our backyard, so. <laughs> you Which, know. I mean, when are we going to have a sleepover and throw fireballs and launch trebuchet things? I mean, this, this could be a big event. I mean, we should do a maker, maker event at our house. Yes, I would totally do a sip and stem event. I just did it the other day in Florida. We all are sipping and I'm doing elephant toothpaste and fireballs. It is a very fun thing. Like it. it. I like it. Yeah. Well, Tamara, I have had a blast, pun intended, talking to you today. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm so excited for everything you're doing. And um, I think it's really cool that you're you're just making such an impact in the science world and STEM world and the lives of so many kids and really getting kids excited about science and making and finding their voice. So um, thank you for all that you do and thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's always a joy working with the kiddos. So yes. it's just an honor. Well, thank you and take care. Thank you.